Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Creative Contact. I'm your host, Kia Orion, uh, coming to you live and direct today from Chiang Mai. We've got a guest appearance from Fresh Garlic in the background. If you're tuning on video, uh, it's the crib back at um, my go-to digs, uh, W Living in Chiang Mai. And it's good to be back. It feels really nice. Uh, kind of settling back into life here. Uh, as usual, if you aren't familiar with the, with the podcast, how it works, uh, I give you a little life update on what's going on with Kia, kind of the different verticals of life, and then uh, dive into the three takeaways from this week is going to be a little bit more than three, but every day I try to learn something new. And so I give you the three top takeaways from that week of things that I learned. So every day I learn something new and then I write about it. And in this podcast, I kind of come to you. There's a lot of stuff that is worth mentioning and a lot of stuff that also isn't. So I just kind of bring you my top tips to help you uh, optimize your own life, become superhuman. So without further ado, I want to jump into it because we got a lot to talk about today. I went on a meditation retreat for Buddhism that I want to tell you about, all types of cool shit. But... First and foremost, I want to talk about my damn self. Um, so I'm feeling good, feeling groovy, uh, still kind of getting into the swing of things out here. Uh, it's definitely a little bit rainy still, so I'm kind of getting used to that, trying to find a bicycle. <laughs> I know these are small things, but it actually uh, is a pain in the ass just because uh, when I was out here last year, they actually had like a community bike program, which was amazing that they don't have anymore. So, you know, just little life things. Um, but health is good. Getting back at it. No more, my, uh, no more Muay Thai lessons. So I'm kind of getting back into kettlebells and more uh, calisthenics type of workout, stuff like that. Health is good. Um, I realized out here I don't have anything to cook with. So a lot of my meals, first of all, I forgot how good the food is in Chiang Mai. Like, I'm still going out all the time just because the food is so popping. But uh, I had a buddy that said it pretty well. He's like, I'm not a, I don't cook much anymore. I'm more of a maker where now it's just like just putting ingredients together and kind of th like throwing it all in a bowl and throwing some sauce on it and chowing down because I just have like one electric walk. So it's kind of hard to cook anything uh, that's worth eating out of that bad boy. So health is good. Life is good personal now that I'm back here trying to be a little bit more social. Uh, it's so nice seeing old friends. It's also cool making new ones. I've made a new, a few new homies already, and I think that's the difference about uh, Chiang Mai compared to either places like Vietnam or um, other spots that I've been. Is that there's there's just like a built-in community already out here. So one second, y'all. I got this fruit fly. This is giving me a, gonna be a pain. In, are you gonna be a pain in the ass? Yo, I'm about to kill this motherfucker. All right, so we're back. Uh, so that's one of the biggest differences about Chiang Mai compared to the other place I was in in Vietnam is that there's just a built-in community because there are so many digital nomads here. And I think that's the biggest difference between Chiang Mai, Da Nang, Hanoi, is that there are still expats there and there's still nomads in those, in those places, but they're just harder to find. And so a lot of the expats are often English teachers so you encounter a lot of English teachers, but they don't quite understand the nomad lifestyle of either working or building a business online. Um, and so you just don't have as much in common and you work at different times. So I, I just didn't make a ton of friends 
uh, traveling in those other places as I do here where you just, there's one guy, shout out Dave, who I met this last week, um, who was at a, a lunch with my friend B. I show up and it's just like we automatically, you just speak the same language. It's like if you do jujitsu and then you meet another person who does jujitsu or even if you play uh, piccolo, you know what I mean? Like you just get it or drums, like you just get the same, you have so much to talk about where I was like, oh, this author? And he's like, I got like read it. And he was like, yo, you've seen this? I'm like, I've seen it. So you have so much in common already. You normally have similar priorities, minimalism, online business, you know about marketing, you're into travel. Uh, you know, you just have a perspective that often that you can just kind of bond quickly because you ha- you're in this, you live such a similar life. It's and it's a different kind of outside the lines life. So there's a lot that they, they often understand about me and the way that I live, which is really helpful. So that's just been really nice. I had to talk about that. I've been loving it out here in Chiang Mai, being back out here again. There's just energy in the city. People are sweet. I do, I've noticed already though, the the difference in people between Vietnam and Thailand. Like there's something about the Vietnamese people that I think is just like especially sweet. And maybe it's just that Thailand is like tired of white guys and I don't blame them. Um, But there's just a certain vibe about Vietnam and Vietnamese people that I I was like, it is real. Like that shit is tangible. There's just like a sweetness to them that is so, or not so sweetness, but it's just, I don't know, it's different. But I I really enjoy, I enjoy them both. But they're, I think the Vietnamese people just speak to me a little bit more just as a whole. So back here, um, personal online dating life. I think uh, there's definitely more. I was talking to a friend yesterday about it. I think I'm going to start kind of put myself out there again in Chiang Mai because it's just a lot easier. Um, and I know I'll be here for a few months to uh, start going on dates, even if it's not anything where it has to be uh, super romantic, but just um, even for, to create more friends as a way to practice like anything. When I was living in New York, like online dating was just what everybody did because everybody, you know, when you're that US like work, hustle mode so everybody's online and so you pretty much all date online and so you just you get hella matches and you go on just like a shitload of dates and like anything else it's like a muscle you know it's like a practice that you get down where you I'm, I'm just I'm like out of my groove a little bit so making an effort to get back into that working the dating muscle no matter what the outcome is even if it's if it's a good date awesome that's a great connection if it's a bad date you practiced and hopefully got a good story out of it and and with the dating too it doesn't have to be this huge commitment of the entire night you know it could be like meet at a coffee shop 15 20 minutes grab a coffee or something like that or uh, i don't know go to the arcade and i'll kick your ass in some street fighter or time crisis for 30 minutes although the, i think i just dated myself because i don't think those are around anymore but I'll still kick your ass in both of those. So uh, that was my shit. So they're just doing something fun. Go kayaking, go on a walk. It doesn't matter. Just putting yourself out there more. And so I'm going to be working on that, keeping you guys posted, um, seeing how that goes. So I'm going to try dating a little bit more and also an attempt to make new friends, make new connections. And so that's personal. And that also ties into, that actually ties in perfectly. This wasn't even planned. That's how you know that's how you know it's, you know you're dealing you're dealing with a veteran podcast veteran is that ties in actually perfectly to my first point with 
what I want to talk to you guys about with the takeaways. But with the, with the dating, I think sometimes where I get so caught in my own head is this idea of forever or of attachment. Like I'm like, oh, I don't want to get too attached or I don't want her to get too attached or you know, there are things about this person that I don't love. And so I know that they're not the one, the one, um, or just someone that I want to spend like that much time with. So I'm like, ah, and I write it off rather than, uh, I went to this Buddhism retreat for a day this past week, just to learn about it with a couple friends. And it was a game changer. Actually, I said a thousand times that day, but it's the truth because it really was a game changer. Um, but one of the big ideas and the takeaways from that, which I wrote down and I have a bunch of these for you guys, was this idea of impermanence, that nothing is permanent. And the guy's name was uh, uh, Pra KK. He, who, he, he created the retreat and he led it. We just lucked out and he, he leads it one day a week and that was the day we went. And he talks about how so much of our suffering is self-inflicted. And this is all according to him, that in the Buddhism that they teach is that it's, it's more from us trying to hold on to things. This, and so it's less about attachment or detachment. He's like, he's like, please be attached. He's like, human attachment is important. Um, love, like all these things, it, it's not about being attached or not, but then understanding the impermanence of it. And so when things, when, when you have an experience or if something happens and you become detached or unattached from, could be you move on from a new job or excuse me, an old job or an ex-lover or whatever in your life that causes that pain of not dwelling on it. And of which he said, as, again, which I loved so much of these that he was talking about hitting on was that like, he's like, you can't just like switch out of it like that. He's like, that's not how it works. But the reason that they call Buddhism a practice is because it is a practice. It's not something that you talk about and you're like, oh, I'm a Buddhist and that's it. That it's something that you have to practice. And that's where the meditation comes in, following these principles of trying to uh, kind of end suffering and, and seek truth. And that often we are the source of our own suffering. And that it's because we we live so much in the past from previous experiences or things that have hurt us that instead of that those are things that you can't change. And so we still, we just continue to kind of call, like cause our own pain from these things. And he's like, it's not about just switching immediately, but he's like, it's about forgiveness. It's about forgetting and not, you know, trying to block the memory forever, but just moving on. I guess, moving on with the process and the way that this ties in with the whole dating thing is this idea of impermanence of that, like, I'm not even sure if I believe in the one just because I think there are multiple great matches for you. And it's more about choices. Like, what do you want your life to look like with your partner and what sacrifices are you willing to make and what kind of a lifestyle do you want? And like, what kind of, what are you willing to put up with and compromise with? So I don't think there's just like one perfect person. I think it's more about just like, finding people that match with what you want and what's important to you and what you want your lifestyle to be like, what kind of a life you want to live and that that can change over time. And so that's why I still, I'm not exactly a believer in the one, so you can hate me if you want, but um, that 
just come, you know, that's a conversation for another time. But this idea of impermanence being that, like, if it's just me and this lady that we have a connection, even if there's something about her that, like, I know doesn't do it for me, that it's like we're here right now and we can still have this really cool, beautiful thing, um, even if it isn't permanent, and that that's okay. And I think oftentimes in my previous relationships where I stumble is. I'll try to force I'll try to force the longer attachment than it needs to. Like I'm not a guy. I'll see when shit isn't working and then try it's the same as when you're working a job that you don't like. You you justify it and you stay in it because it's comfortable it's what you know much longer than you often need to for we all have our own reasons but in relationships i've found i often like run it into the ground to the point where i'm like no this needs to work and kind of just keep trying to force it, even when i know there's shit that's not working because i think it needs to be a longer term thing rather than i think i could have saved myself and my partners a lot of pain seeing that or talking about it being more honest because then by the time I've already run it into the ground, like since I was aware of it three, four months ago, I've already like checked out. So I'm like, oh, this crashed and burned like deuces. Like, cause I've already had the chance to process it. And she's like, what the fuck? Where I think being more cognizant of the impermanence of it and knowing not being so bent out of shape when it doesn't work. And then also then having the license and liberty to appreciate those connections with other nomads or locals knowing that I might not be in that spot for more than three or four months, three, four, five months. And that like, that that's okay. That maybe if it's meant to be like, I'll come back around or we'll meet up in the same place or whatever. So uh, just working on that idea of impermanence in my life as well. Also in regard to um, blessings, things like my family, Things like my friends here, uh, my health, my oh, my these devilish good looks, you know, all that sort of stuff of being like, it, we can. There's so much that we take for granted that feels permanent. This life, even just to go super fake deep on you, um, where I'm like I'm here in Chiang Mai. I have friends here. Let me lean into this while I have it. My mom's coming to visit next week, which I'm super stoked for. And there's a part of me, shout out to you, mom. I was like stressing. I was like, man, there are these things I need to take care of. And then mom's coming. And I was like, Kia, like you get one life. You've been working on your mom to try to get her to come out here for a year and a half. Like no matter what happens next week, whether it's the most productive week or not in my life, no matter whether I do business, like in the grand scheme of things, doesn't matter at all. What I will remember is this trip when my mom came to Thailand to see me at this point in my life when I was broke as a joke, you know, on the come up trying to struggle. Mom's is at a point in her life, you know, she's figuring things out as well. And like just the two of us out here and being like, key, calm that monkey brain. This is where the, the I'm trying to get into the meditation Buddhism thing and just be like, be present appreciate the time with your mom out here and just like lean into that. So impermanence, cause of our own pain. Another couple things that I really liked was uh, he talked about um, 
you start with you start with self. This one resonated with me so much because I often think if I I feel like I'm being selfish because I'm in a point in my life where I'm really focused on building myself, both physically, mentally, spiritually, um, with my business, financially. And so I'm like, damn, am, am I do I like am I spending too too like am I Am I doing the right thing? And I loved what this guy said, uh, this monk. He was like, you got to start with self and then your energy will like bleed out into the world, which I really am a firm believer in Buddhism or not. Uh, and Gary Vee says this, you have to be selfish to be selfless. Where even coming from nonprofit, I met so many folks that were, it's a noble cause because you're a nonprofit, but they were still miserable. And so it's like, it, it doesn't matter if you're doing noble work, if you're just like being a dick in real life, you know what I mean? And so I think for me, even though I don't have the financial resources to totally give, I don't give a ton of my time to like saving children or orphanage, that idea of like, I have my morning routine, which is important to me, you know, part, part robot. I, I have, I'm creative in the mornings because I feel like I need that. Otherwise I get weird and grumpy. And when I'm not pissy, then just interacting with the world in a way is can be helpful because then everybody I interact with, I have the energy to give you my 110% attention or I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to want to interact with you. I'm smiling. I'm having a good time because I feel good. You know what I mean? And so when I feel good, I can give that to the world. And I think even that that's another pillar of health. We often neglect our health because we're too busy or it's to this or to that and not realize that when your health goes like, that, at the end of the day, all things considered, when you really boil that shit down, that is all you actually have is your health. Because if that goes, you ain't serving nobody, you ain't helping nobody, you can't send energy to the world. Like that's the real key is your health. So that to me is like the utmost important thing is to make sure that I'm, you know physically healthy, mentally, emotionally, making sure that's solid, and then I can give the rest of my shit to the world. And someday, I promise, I can't wait for that day when my business is so popping that I'm able to put my homies on or like I'm actually I've got enough clout that then I can I can't wait for those days when I I, I have homies like back home in New York that I can't wait when I like I want to be able to like make introductions and put them onto stuff or my business is popping enough that I have the credibility so then I can say listen I know exactly what to do to get to XYZ like bro let me help you and show you exactly what it is where right now I know so much of it but my business um, isn't to the point where I really can like walk the walk where I'm like, listen, I know that this works, but I'm still trying to figure that shit out too. So I, I can't exactly, I'm still, I spend, I need so much time and energy to build my own thing where I can't wait until my shit's popping and then I can just like put people on and um, help financially with projects or being like, ah, like take, you know, all that sort of stuff. Can't wait, but start with myself first. Love that. Um, and then another thing that they talked about was, and I know this is a lot just about Buddhism, but uh, I promise I'm moving on soon. Freedom is the ultimate happiness. Love that. Um, in Buddhism, he mentioned that they didn't believe in a heaven and a hell of an afterlife necessarily, but that like in karma of like your own living heaven or hell in this life that you create for yourself from the decisions that you make, which I thought was really dope. Because I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Whereas like if you live by, you know, if you live a good life, you kind of live happily and, and you know when you're kind of doing fucked up shit and you kind of create, you manifest your own 
living hell. So it doesn't really matter what's next for you if it's hell right now. Just because I'm such a pragmatist and I like that of being like those good actions that I do now can directly affect me. Not necessarily from like waiting for some to come back around, but just like the way that it makes me feel is enough to create my own happiness in this life. Um, and love the principles, but still can't quite get fully on board when it's like no killing, no lying, no stealing, no sex. I'm like, that doesn't exactly fit to me, but um, it is what it is. I grilled him uh, pretty hard. There's like a question and answer and he was really dope and he was open to me talking to him about it. So uh, I don't know. It was uh, that I still think that the idea of romantic love is such an important part of the human experience, whether you're single or father or not, like parenthood, lovers, whatever. To me, it's not really about the sex, but I think as animals that are kind of built on romantic and intimate feelings and relationships, that to deprive yourself of that in a way is creating a type of perpetual suffering. And I'm not saying like if you're 50, you've had relationships and like they aren't working, you're like, dude, I just want to be single. I'm more fun this way. I'm like, go for it. With this, I think it doesn't have to be man or woman, but I just, it feels almost unnecessary to me. And this is coming from a guy who's like Mr. Robot, right? I'm about discipline up the wazoo. But like... I don't know the the sexual part and the the having having strong romantic relationships is just like I find that super inspiring and important part of life, um, but that's why I'm not a monk. I mean, I'm ninety percent of the way there, but fuck it. Um, so that was that. The rest of these I'll I'll cruise through because I know. We're already pushing time. One amazing interview with Joseph Gordon-Levitt where he says it's more important to pay attention than to crave attention. I thought this was fascinating. Uh, someone at his caliber who still gets envious, still gets jealous of other people's followers. And I think it just goes to show you that there's no number that you ever get to that fills that hole. No amount of validation, no amount of attention. So if that's what you're doing it for, uh, you will forever be disappointed. So try to find the beauty in the process of your day-to-day and in whatever it is that you're creating or making or doing, because that's what the magic is. And uh, one by this guy named Ramit Sethi. Uh, he's the, I will teach you to be rich, dude. Love his his stuff. And he I heard an interview with him where he was talking about um, that no one is just going to like trip and pay you more hourly for your work and that it's about like if you want to earn more you have to be more intentional with the customers and the people you're serving you get to choose your customers you get to choose who you serve um and that you can never compete on price in the sense of like you'll never be able to offer the lowest thing or the cheapest thing someone will always be able to go cheaper so instead kind of switch your perspective and think about how what you can offer what the the highest tier is of what you can offer shoot for it and then if nobody bites you realize you can tone it back, or if people start to bite too quickly, you realize you didn't shoot high enough. Last but not least, I, I'm, I'm on the sleep tip right now where I'm reading this book called Why We Sleep. It's fascinating. It's about sleep. Um, if you want to really optimize your sleep, I recommend this so much. It's been uh, really helping me kind of level up with my sleep um, etiquette, which I'm already super passionate about anyways. But one thing I thought was dope that he talks about was... Um, 
it took George Lucas 40 years to make, uh, I think it's like $4 billion off of his Star Wars franchise. And it took Ambien, I think it was like less than two years. So that's crazy to think about. We, we rely so heavy on sleep aids. Are we just kind of uh, treating a temporary wound or are we actually trying to fix the problem? Something to think about. Um, every animal sleeps. This is a huge takeaway. Every animal sleeps. And if it weren't important, then why haven't we involved out of it? And I thought this was such an interesting thing to think about because when you, when you boil it down, like we aren't procreating, we aren't hunting for food, we're in, we aren't creating community, we're incredibly vulnerable in a sleeping position. Um, and so if it weren't important, if that weren't necessary, if that didn't take precedence over procreating, eating, safety, then like mother nature, like she's, she's a cold hearted bitch. Like if it don't work, she's going to slice that shit out. So she don't play and I trust her. And so if she hasn't cut that shit out over thousands and thousands of years and out of every species, I figure why not lead into it and try to really optimize uh, this thing that, that I think we don't take seriously enough. I'm like the biggest sleep advocate out there. I feel like a crazy person, but uh, it is just super important to me. So something to think about. Also, last quick tip, 30% of us are early morning people. 30% of us are somewhere in the middle and another 30% uh, are or maybe it's like 40% are in the middle, 30% are night owls. So if you are someone who does sleep better later, just because our culture puts pressure on you, don't feel like you have to be a morning person. It's okay to go to sleep a little bit later, but figure out uh, it's genetic. So think about what your parents are, grandparents are, look into it. Don't let us early, early morning people shame you into being what you aren't. Hope that that was helpful. Hope you got a couple of takeaways. I'll post all these in the show notes. Uh, back in CM, we back on that impermanent dating baldy life. Uh, we're back in action, making beats, um, working on the book. Finally found an editor, making some new tunes. Life is good. Feeling fucking blessed to be living this one precious life. Mom's coming next week. I'm eating good food. It doesn't really get much better. Living the dream. Struggling still sometimes, broke as a joke, but all things considered, we're doing better than most. All right, that's the update for the week. Thank you for tuning in. As always, work hard, dream big, eat your motherfucking vegetables. Thank you for being my therapist for the week. Your check is in the mail. Appreciate you as always. Peace.